Tim just concluded last week a really awesome series called Do-It-Yourself Discipleship. And last week specifically was super good. If you guys weren't here, go take a listen online. It's really, really good. Um, But he was talking about drink the cup. And he was saying that there's three specific things as a disciple that's expected of us that we're to go through. Do you guys remember what those three things are? I do this to my youth every week. (laughs) If you don't, I'll give you a refresher. One of the things he said is it requires surrender. We have to surrender our will, right? Suffering and sacrifice. Three really, really awesome things. (laughs) But it's true. And when he was speaking this, it was setting me up for my sermon perfectly. I'm like, gosh, we're clearly talking to the same God because I know I'm preaching this week and I know exactly what I was speaking on. It's been a message brewing in my heart for months, actually. And Daniel came into the office and was like, hey, you got a sermon that you're like feeling impressed to share on a Sunday? I'm like, funny you say that. (laughs) But I'll tell you now, the devil does not want you guys to hear this message. He has been fighting to try to stop this day from happening. (laughs) He doesn't want you guys to hear this. But as he was last week, Tim, not the devil, (laughs) as (laughs) as Tim was sharing the three things that make up a disciple that are required of us and expected of us, it was like, those three things, those exemplify family. Suffering, Surrender and sacrifice. Doesn't sound too peachy, does it? (laughs) But here's the thing. Let me explain it this way. You need to surrender your will. Because who knows they don't always get their way in their family. Okay, some of you here might. (laughs) But right? You don't. You don't always get what you want. You don't always get your way. You don't always get your will. Not even the parents. Especially if they have young kids. You don't always get your way. (laughs) It's not your will, right? Suffering is a part of family too. Because why? You love your family, right? At least you should. You're supposed to. Some of you needed to hear that. (laughs) Love suffers long. That's what it says in the New King James Version, King James Version of 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4, love suffers long. When you love your family, suffering is going to be a part of it, at least while you're here. Once you get to heaven, suffering's gone. How many of you can't wait for that, right? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I suffer a lot because of my family. You don't know the family I'm in. They're the reason I suffer. Well, I'll be honest, they'd probably say the same thing about you too. So, Third point is, Sacrifice, it requires sacrifice, which ties into surrendering your will, right? Sometimes you have to sacrifice your will, your desire. If you don't sacrifice for your family, I would argue you probably don't love them that well. Maybe at all. And hopefully that changes. But here's the thing. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you've made the decision to follow him all the days of your life, You're part of a family. The question is, what now? What is it in? I'm I'm following Jesus. Now what? You're part of a family. That's what. (laughs) 
Look to the person next to you and say, what up, fam? How's it going, fam? They're your family. Some of you are like, gosh, I, I should have picked a different seat. <laughs> but Jesus understood this principle. He understood that the body of Christ was a family. He was building a church. Referencing here. He was building his church, and he started with a few ragtag weirdos, disciples. I'll get into that in a little bit. (laughs) He said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's recorded in those accounts, that the disciples were his family. There's a specific example, you can go look it up, I'm not bringing the scripture up here for you. There's a specific example in scripture where there's people saying, hey, your mother and your brother are looking for you. They're busting through this crowd trying to get him. Makes me wonder why his family wasn't doing that, if they really wanted to talk to him that bad. <laughs> and he says, who is my mother and my brother? And he points to his disciples and says, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. I don't know which disciple was considered the mother, but probably John. <laughs> or maybe Peter, I don't know. But he looked to them and he said, this is my family. And those who do do the will of my father are my family. Do you have the same perspective? Do you see the people in here the same way? Those that are doing the will of God, those you might not see eye to eye with all the time, they made a decision to follow Christ too. Do you see people here as though they're family? Or do you see them as foreigners and strangers? Because that's not what we're supposed to be to each other, right? We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be building each other up, encouraging one another, as long as it's called today. It says that in Hebrews. How many of you know family can get complicated? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Gets a little difficult. It's made up of different shapes and sizes and colors. Family's complicated. Tell your neighbor, why are you so complicated? (laughs) Why are you so complicated? That's just who we are, right? Family is messy. Family's difficult. Holidays are coming up quick and some of you are dreading it, right? (laughs) You're like, man, can I just skip to January and get all the presents still? (laughs) Family's difficult though, right? It's not made up of the same people. Not even identical twins are exactly the same person. Did you know that? They're not the same. There's differences between the two. Sometimes they're not very obvious. Sometimes they're subtle, but they're real. And God sees every single one of you as uniquely made and designed by him for a specific purpose. And part of that purpose is for one another. It's for a family. Family can have young and old, right? At least that it does, right? <laughs> By definition, family is some older than the others. It's made up of introverts and extroverts. That causes problems, right? <laughs> I'm extroverted. It's made up of street smart, book smart. I mean, you go through the list. There is an unlimited amount of differences 
amongst one another. It's unlimited. Take the disciples, for example. The disciples were all Jewish men who saw scripture from generally the same cultural perspective. There's some of them that had different approaches to scripture. But in a general sense, they had a similar understanding of the scripture. But they all had weaknesses of their own, differences that separated them. They had different strengths, different weaknesses, right? They were different people. Like a family, they had a good amount of disagreements, too. Who's already had some today? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand for that one. Like a family, they had their fair amount of challenges, right? Jesus handpicked every single one of them, though. Here's the interesting thing. He knew their differences. He knew they would argue. He knew they wouldn't get along. He knew they would all say they're better than the other. <laughs> Yet he still said, I choose you. He still said, you're part of the family. I'm picking you. Even regardless of their differences. I would say even because of their differences. He picked them. John, you need Peter. Peter, you need John. And the list goes on, all 12 of them, right? They needed each other. He didn't pick 12 Johns. He didn't pick 12 Peters, or 12 Judases, thank God, right? <laughs> he didn't pick all the same people. Because, <laughs> to be honest, he can't. There's not the same people on the planet. Jesus wanted them to work with each other, not work against each other. But how often do we do the other? <laughs> how often do we fight one another, right? As a body of Christ, it's not meant to be, right? How often do we sh do the same thing the disciples did, getting into foolish arguments? We see ourselves as right and ourselves as the best. We think others are crazy. And if only they listened to us, if only they did what we wanted, this church would actually work. Things would be right. I have the answer if they would just listen to me. I feel that as a parent all the time with my kids. And there's times that they're right and they call me out. I'm like, yeah, I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Listen to this interaction between Jesus and the disciples. I love this situation. And how often does Jesus do it to us? Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 37. This is in the ESV. It says, And they came to Capernaum, and when he, being Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? <laughs> he knows, guys. He knows what they were talking about. <laughs> and he's wanting to stir the pot. <laughs> but they kept silent. <laughs> it's the one wise thing they did that day. <laughs> kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. How arrogant, right? God's chosen disciples to build the church from the ground up are arguing about who's better than the other. And this isn't the only time they argued about this, mind you. There's at least three instances in scripture where they have the same argument. Don't do that. <laughs> And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all the servants. 
last of all and servant of all, right? And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. It's God the Father. More family, right? We as believers are all children of God, right? We're adopted into his family. We're made members of his household. We're all part of the family of God. When we reject somebody in the body of Christ, whether they're in it already or trying to get into it, it grieves God's heart. (laughs) It breaks his heart. It hurts him. Who here has ever had somebody reject their family and it just stirred a wrong one in you? You're like, how dare you? (laughs) That's my family. You don't mess with my family, right? We always say, I can mess with my family. You can't mess with my family. That's not true, okay? Don't mess with your family like that either. But here's the thing. A child represented in culture at that time the despised, the looked down upon, the oppressed. They were seen as the lesser then. Jesus was trying to paint a picture. He's saying... You think you're the top dog, but if you are, you're not. That's the reality. You think you're impressive. It doesn't impress God. The one who serves one another, the one who chooses the lowest position, holding up others, is the one who I'm impressed by. That's the one who I receive. That's the one who I accept. If you choose not to receive a person like that, then why in the world should I receive you? If you're not willing to do that, why should I do it? But we do it all the time, right? We often avoid certain people. And God says, who you have been perceiving in that way as lesser than, lower than you, worse than you, doesn't have it all figured out, worse off, in a pharisaical way, (laughs) Stop rejecting me and what I'm doing, is what God is saying. Because that's what we do when we do that. We're not just rejecting those people. We're rejecting God himself. Because God says, who you do to the least of these, you do unto me, right? If you didn't know that, go read it. (laughs) You can Google that and you'll find it pretty quick. We often avoid or run from people because they're different than us, right? The introverts run from all the extroverts and vice versa. (laughs) We see them as the enemy, (laughs) We run from people that aren't like us. But here's the thing, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus did. He himself was God and decided to come be a part of us in our life. And he picked all these disciples that were so opposite from him. So different from what he would do. And he changed the world with him. He came to earth and lived a life we couldn't and started building his kingdom with a whole bunch of arrogant guys. (laughs) Several times they thought they were the best. I know for myself, if I had come to earth like Jesus, no, I'm not God, I'm not claiming to be, but if I were in his position, I would have got here and been like, really, this is what you give me to work with? (laughs) 
There is nothing here but trash. <laughs> there is nothing but garbage. How am I supposed to get anything done? How am I supposed to build my kingdom with this? <laughs> but he didn't do that, right? He had the complete opposite perspective of pick them, I pick them, I pick them, I need them, they're important, I have a purpose for them. That's what God did, right? In love and humility, he grabbed hold of us and said, let's build a kingdom. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Instead of saying, I'm just going to build it with myself. <laughs> Which would have been a lot easier, right? But that's not what he wanted. Because one, it wouldn't show the world his glory. Not nearly as much anyways. Jesus chose and said to make his dwelling not just among us, but inside of us. Let me say that again. Jesus chose and said to make his dwelling not just among us, but in us. God dwells in each and every one of you that has said, yes to him, I follow you, and only you. Here's the thing, though. Your neighbor, if they've done it, the person you don't get along with all the time, if they've done it, Jesus is in them just as much as you. Some of you are like, there's no way. <laughs> that is not Jesus in them. I'm sure most of you have heard that you are the temple of God, right? You're the temple of God. God dwells inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 is probably the most common passage we use for this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. But did you know that this is it's really not the only part of the picture. Did you guys know that? I gotta get moving here. <laughs> this is the only part of the picture. We together, collectively, joined together as one, form the temple of God. It's not just about you. It's not just you as an individual. Yes, God dwells in you alone, but he also does not just dwell in you alone, right? Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. That includes your neighbor, right? We're not to see each other that way anymore. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. It's not yours. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Do you guys see that? You too are being built together. <laughs> built as one. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's not just you. Your fellow citizens together as God's people and members of his household. Here's the thing. Imagine this is the church of God. No pun intended with our denomination. <laughs> Imagine this is God's church. Now, let me tell you now, we're not the only ones part of his church, okay? <laughs> Other churches here love Jesus too, and he dwells inside them. <laughs> the same way this structure is made up of many different blocks or stones, so is God's church. 
It's made up of many different pieces. My question for you is, have you been fighting how God chooses to build it? Have you been fighting how God chooses to build his church? Because oftentimes we say, eh, they're too young. Eh, can't work with them. That's what we do. We say, they're too immature. I can't, I can't deal with that. <laughs> right? This is what we do all the time. We try to change who somebody is. You're not going to change them in the first place. I'm just to tell you that. <laughs> we need God to change people, right? We say, oh, they're, they're too prideful. Can't work with that one. Get that one out of here. They can go to the other church. <laughs> right? But that's not the case. We take out bricks, and we wonder why the thing doesn't stand. We punch bricks out of this building, this church of God. There's a cross there. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Didn't plan for that one. <laughs> How do you plan for that, right? <laughs> but this is what we do. We punch bricks out, and it's us saying no to somebody. We reject someone. We say, I don't like that person. They rub me the wrong way. You rub Jesus the wrong way, too. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we wonder why this thing called church isn't working. And God's saying, if you would stop removing the bricks I'm placing, it wouldn't happen. If you would stop removing the person that I placed there, that wouldn't happen. Let me use an example for you. David, man in scripture where he's one of the few where instead of making excuses for himself on why he can't do something, who's ever done that, right? You see that in scripture too. Sometimes we reject ourselves. And Jesus is saying, stop it. I put you there. Stop it. I've made you righteous. Stop it. I've clothed you in righteousness. But David was a man who, he knew who he was. And everyone else rejected him. His own father forgot about him for crying out loud. And everyone else is scared of this Goliath. And he's like, what are you guys doing? You guys not see what he's doing? Nobody going to do something about this? And so he's like, fine. You guys aren't going to do something. I'll do something. And he takes him down. The whole nation rejected him. Thought him as lesser than, as nothing. Not worth their time. Until they saw what he could do. <laughs> then they're like, huh, Saul kills his thousands. But David kills his tens of thousands. Everyone loved him besides Saul. <laughs> but everyone rejected him until he was given a chance to show what he could do. How many people in this room are a David? How many people in this room are Paul, who changed the church for our better? We have over half the New Testament because of him. How many people in here have we rejected and said no to, and God says, they're my anointed, they're my gifted, they're my chosen, they're the one I've decided. Stop it. <laughs> Stop rejecting my child. <laughs> we do it all the time, right? Look at the disciples, for example. How many of us would have picked them? Jesus chose Matthew, a despised tax collector, to be in a group of people that despised him. <laughs> They're all Jews. 
And he wrote the first gospel to the Hebrews. Mark wrote the first gospel. But he wrote it to the people that despised him. How amazing is that? And take John, who was a super overzealous man. That, let me, I got the notes here. He was a hot-tempered fisherman. Some of you can relate to that, right? <laughs> who later gave the Gospel of John in three epistles that talk about the love of God more than any book of the Bible. That doesn't sound like some hot-tempered guy to me, right? <laughs> you got Peter, who was an overzealous, arrogant snob. Some of you can relate to that, too. <laughs> he was impulsive, prideful. <laughs> Yet God used him to be the first preacher of the Gospel to save thousands of people after Pentecost. He chose these people. I mean, the list goes on with the other disciples, too. This is the ones we have some of the most information on. But he chooses to build his church. The first point I have for you, I'm just going to get through these points quick. I believe there's two ways we fight God and how we build his church. First way is we say people are to this or not enough that, right? That's what I did here. Say, I don't like them. I hate young adults. I've never said that in my life. <laughs> I can't change a diaper. Kids, they annoy me. Right? We do this stuff. The other way we fight, the other way we fight how he builds his church is we build it how we want instead of how he wants to. Guys, that doesn't work. Imagine this. You're like, nah, I want that brick there. I want this one here. I'm going to place this one because everyone's smaller than me. They're lesser than me. They're all going to support me. They're all going to do what I want. We just keep building that way. We just keep going. And we wonder why it doesn't work. There's the church. Nice and stable. Works really well. Right? We often fight God with how he's building it. We tear the thing down, and then we're like, no, this is how it's supposed to be done. I want that person there. I want that person there. This person here. It doesn't work that way, guys. It's not your church. It's not your building. It's not your family in some ways, as far as you being in charge of it. I have to tell my daughter that all the time. You're not in charge. <laughs> Almost every day, I tell you. I tell her, you're not in charge. She's like, why not? I'm like, because you couldn't handle it, clearly. <laughs> you're not doing a good job. First Corinthians, well, actually, I'm going to share Peter. First Peter 2, 4 through 5. Guy I told you about that was super arrogant snob, changed the world. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Peter had the same perspective. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're being built into his house, his structure. His church. It's not yours. And we can take ownership in the same way we take ownership of our family and say, yeah, that's my family. 
But God's building it, right? I don't know about you, but choosing people different from you is difficult, right? Choosing people different than me, I'd be like, no, I just want all the same blocks, Jesus. Stop it. (laughs) That one doesn't fit. And he's like, yes, it does. (laughs) It fits where I place it. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 3, 8 through 9. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. God's service. We're co-workers together, working as one. At least we should be, right? And you are God's field, God's building. Are you fighting how he's building things? Are you working with him? Are you working as his laborer? with others? Or are you saying, no, that's not how it's supposed to be done, Jesus. I know better. The disciples said that too, and it didn't work well for them. It's not your building. Every family is made up of different people that act differently, right? We often gravitate towards those that are most like us. But God's saying, no, I put them there be joined together with him. Be one body, one structure. Katie, you can come on up here. Imagine if everyone in the church were a teenager. That'd be a problem, right? We'd be having people climbing up milk crates. Some of you know that reference. Search it on YouTube. We'd be... Maybe some of you know this one. We'd be eating Tide Pods. We'd be, I mean, we'd be doing stupid stuff sometimes, right? There weren't a lot of people that ate Tide Pods. <laughs> I'll tell you now. But imagine if teenagers were in charge, and it was just them, actually. Church would be severely lacking in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, but it would be really passionate, right? Imagine if we were only people that were 65 and older. Everything would still be on floppy disk. <laughs> wouldn't work well. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to get some comments later. <laughs> but think about it. The church is a family. Family has differences with one another. And it's not differences that make us not work. It's differences that make us work. It's differences that strengthen you, that make you a better person. If it was just people that thought like you and did things like you, you would never change. You'd be the same person forever. (laughs) Some of you know that needs to not be the thing, right? (laughs) Every one of us, right? It's a family. Are you fighting how God is building it? Or are you working with him? Because God wants you to work with him. Get in a small group. Maybe pick one that's not everyone just like you. Maybe change your small group that you've been going to for three years. (laughs) Maybe. Get to know some other people. Go to a different service. We're going to be starting two services next week, right? Get involved in a ministry. No, I can't do that. You drive me nuts. Jesus drives me. You drive Jesus nuts too, right? We all do. We need one another, amen? So let's stand. I'm going to share 
this last passage of scripture, and it's a sobering one. I want you guys to listen to it. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Amen, right? Thank you, God, for dwelling here with us. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. If we saw one another as sacred, I think church would be different. If we saw one another as God's dwelling place, I think we treat each other differently, don't you? Oh, Lord, you're good. I want you guys to put your hands out like this. Lord, bring me the people you want me to work with. Bring these people here, the people to work with, the bricks that are to be placed next to them, alongside them, on top of them, underneath them. Lord, help them to build your church with you, not fight it and work against you. Lord, help us to be a church that loves one another well. Lord, help us to be a church that chooses not to let people into our life like an interview process, but as adoption, as family. Lord, help us to receive them the way we receive you. And knowing that we're not perfect and neither are they, yet you work with us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Last thing I want to do, if you're somebody here and you're like, I've never been a part of this, what you're talking about. I've never been a part of a family like this. We've got bricks lying around here. The prayer team can come forward. (laughs) I want to give you guys an opportunity. An opportunity to join this glorious family, the family of God. You're saying, "This this is what I need. This is what I've been missing. What you're talking about, something's stirring in me, and that's what I need. If you're somebody who needs to give your life to Jesus, because you've never done it before, I want you to come up here and talk with somebody. Have an opportunity to come get that prayer and be welcome into the family of God. Because that's what it's all about. And here's my thing to the rest of you. Receive them. Pull them in. Take them out to lunch. You guys are going to go lunch here in a minute anyways, right? (laughs) Invite them to your home. Make a difference. If you need prayer for anything else as well, if you're you're like, man, this is really hitting me hard. I've been rejecting people. I need prayer. (laughs) I feel rejected. I need prayer. Come get prayer. Amen.